I remember once thinking, just being a bit obsessed about what if you lost your mind? What if you lost your mind? What would that mean? How do you lose in? Just completely going crazy and just not understanding reality. And Welcome to Curious Chats and Kind Acts, the podcast that celebrates difference, kindness and the little things we can all do to make our world a better place. Join me, your host, Sonia, co-founder of The X Charity, for some open, authentic and fun conversations with lots of interesting, extraordinary, everyday people who are all a little bit different. Prepare to have your curiosity peaked and your heart warmed as we explore the ways we can all make a difference in the world, no matter how small. So get ready to be inspired, uplifted and motivated to be the kindest version of yourself. Let's make the world a kinder place, one conversation at a time. Hiya, welcome to Curious Chats and Kind Acts. How are you today? Today we're going to be talking to Tom, who I know through work, and I've always admired the way he's open and vulnerable as a kind of way of living, and I wanted to chat to him to find out why. Now we talk about his mental health and how his journey has led him to start up the Wilderness Tribe, which is a social enterprise that gives people, mainly men, a positive experience in nature to improve their well-being. And quite bizarrely, he convinces me that breathing is an act of kindness. Listen to find out why. We start at the beginning where I ask him where he grew up. Wrexham, originally. Um, a little market town in northeast Wales. Really nice town, lots to do and you're always close to nature. You've got the Cluidian Mountains nearby, you've got country parks and you're never far from getting out into nature, which has always been really nice. Happy home. Yeah. Yeah, nice, happy home. A little bit overweight as a kid so didn't like that and then um, went to the opposite and didn't eat very much at all too much uh, too little and is that because why why did you feel it was an issue being overweight why didn't you like that people would mention it wouldn't they in either a nice way or a nasty way and you notice you're different so then I went to the extreme and didn't really eat much I just halved everything I ate over a year more and more and more so I dropped a lot in weight like eight and a half stone so it was quite blimey how old were you 18 okay but then I went to university and it kind of just settled me out because I think there was too much um going on you know took my mind off it um but when you were in that like how did your parents and friends respond I think to begin with people they give you positive encouragement, don't they? Because you're losing weight, you're getting fit, you're running every day. And it's addictive, that positive encouragement. And also seeing progress as well. But it's when do you know moderation? And that's the hard thing, isn't it? How can you teach moderation to somebody? Because I've gone gone from one extreme of overeating to then undereating and getting results and seeing real positive feedback. It was only at a certain stage where my mum and dad said, you've got to start eating now and went to see the doctor as well but then I found it really hard to start eating I'd even have like nightmares where I'd wake up and think I've eaten a full English breakfast or something like that so it was actually I'd changed my thought process as well and yeah it could have got dangerous so I can see how people can fall into these sorts of traps one way or another around body image so what like you went to the doctors but what stopped you falling into that trap then or have you (laughs) I, I think having a good family having 
the doctor just saying you've got to eat. But I think then it wasn't something many people knew about either, really. I mean, that was 20 years ago. So it was, that, and especially for a man, a young man. And it was kind of like, maybe it was kind of like bulimia. I've not really thought about this much <laughs> now to this podcast, actually. <laughs> but I'd, I'd, if I'd eaten loads, I'd go and do a massive run as well. Um, okay. But then people did say, you're looking way too thin, you need to put on weight and start to... It was never where it got extremely worrying. Yeah. But it turned around at that stage, so... And so was it, like, isn't bulimia where you make yourself sick? Well, that's what people used to think, but also it's it's also about other ways of reducing calories okay. as well, isn't it? So I think, yeah, making yourself sick, but also it can be extreme exercise as well. I think it can also be, you know, taking laxatives and stuff like that just to, you know, get food out of you as well. So so for you, it was lots of exercise to counter yeah. eating. Yeah, but then I've, I think I've got quite a um, black and white personality and I've, I've, over time that's got less and less as I meditated and learnt things because you go on a journey don't you go on a journey about yourself over time don't you and what works for you as well I don't know I don't what don't go. <laughs> so well let's so you're you've gone to uni you're a bit thin mm. um but you've been the doctors and you've been told you've got to eat more so you're trying yeah. to manage that and and then it's funny I completely the obsession around eating completely went after univer during university because there's too many things to learn and get distracted by as well new things drinking meeting new people partying learning new things it's funny because it just took that spotlight off weight onto other things so interesting how your mind can spotlight one certain element and really focus on it for good or bad as well yeah wow that i mean that's great <laughs> yeah and so uni you didn't really think about that and was your mental health all right then, or? Uh, I don't. I think I remember once thinking, oh, I'm depressed," and not thinking what it was. If no one tells you, you don't know, do you? So you can struggle in silence for a bit. So it was up and down a little bit, but I was quite obsessive about things then as well. Maybe it went from food to other things. Um, I remember once thinking, just being a bit obsessed about what if you lost your mind? What if you lost your mind? What would that mean? How do you lose in? Just completely going crazy and just not understanding reality and that sort of... Um, like like your, like what is my reality? Is that because the thought's in your head? Yeah, it would be like, well, what if I got sectioned? Okay. And... You jump in, you're not living in the moment, are you? You're going straight down the line to worst-case scenario. Right. So your thought process is there where I don't know what I'm feeling, but it isn't normal. Yeah, yeah. But then they spiral into... That's right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, spiral's a good word for it as well. You go spiral downwards, can't you? Or you can spiral upwards with things as well. But it wasn't till after uni that... I realised I had a, maybe a mental health issue. And it became, there was an advert on the radio saying one in three people will suffer with their mental health. I thought, wow, maybe maybe I've suffered with that as well. Because I would, it's anxiety really, I think, focusing on certain elements just for a long time and really worrying about them that are out of your control, really. And, um, and what kind of examples of that? It feels out of your control. Yeah. I don't want to say. That's fine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, and that's because they still have that power of, of fear over me, if you see what I mean. That's interesting. Even after all this time, it's still... A, a little bit, yeah. In... Like a Pandora's box, you don't want to open it. That's the thing. If it's shut, I feel... And if you voice it, I mean, don't say yeah, anything yeah. you don't want yeah. to. That's not about this. But if you voice it, then you're opening Pandora's box. Sometimes a little bit. Maybe when I'm... Because this time, yeah, I'm not so good. It's a bit like, oh, I'm a bit more careful as it's coming into the winter months. It started when I was really young, always thinking, um, oh, what if I needed a toilet? What if I need... To... Is there a toilet near here? And obsessing about it. Like, And then as I got older, it'd be like... What if you got this illness? How do you know you've got this illness? And then you can Google it. And then you go down a spiral there. And Google can't tell you one way or another. And then even if you ask a doctor, they can't 100% tell you sometimes. Yeah. Or your, your mind. Doubt is quite a hard thing to deal with, isn't it? Your mind will go, well, how qualified are they? Have they ever dealt with this before? And it's funny how your mind can turn against you in certain ways like that. Maybe there's a stronger point to it as well, which is I can really focus on things that I really enjoy for good periods as well which is good but balance is the most important thing isn't it so trying to mellow that because when we look at nature there is everything's in balance in harmony as well isn't it um, so so you'll have like some positive obsessions is that that bring uh, you I enjoyment think, like, I think so yeah yeah I don't know like cooking if you get yeah. if you think about cooking you'll be oh well i need to cook this food and this food and that's right yeah. obsess about or like climbing is for me at the moment thinking about that all the time training yeah. for it how to get me flexibility for it and, you know all that sort of stuff or gardening it's like a whole world isn't there to explore and look at types of plants what's edible what isn't how you grow things better how you take cuttings all that sort of stuff but i'd say that's normal positive healthy yeah. exciting absolutely so at what point does it become obsessive anxiety or like when when is how can that become too much it's when it when that spotlight goes on to negative things I okay think. yeah and you're constantly thinking in the same way about negative things and going down that spiral and can you not stop those thoughts? I mean, this is probably really naive and stupid thing to ask, but yeah. can you not stop those thoughts and I'm going to think about these happy things, or um, is that not how it works? Sometimes. I think if you can catch them early enough, then sometimes, yeah. But I always think mental health is made up of more than just thoughts. It's also feelings associated with thoughts as well. So it could be any sort of thought you know some people are scared of driving and it's maybe not the thought of driving it's the feeling associated with driving itself some people are scared of dogs maybe the dog's the cutest little fluffiest thing and logically they think well there's nothing to be scared of but the feeling alongside that is mismatched with the thought okay that's my take on it anyway um and actually, feelings are something you can't really ignore because they're... Yeah, because they're there and they can last for a long time, can't they? Yeah. I have a think about it. I, I, I haven't experienced mental health to extreme... Poor mental health to extremes, but certainly when, I don't know, I was made redundant and things like that, I, I was awake at night mm. having these repeated thoughts yeah. going around in my head. But yeah, I did. I just had this feeling of dread inside. Mm. And even I'd read, I'd be, I actually got into Pokemon Go and started off, yeah. like, I'd be just walking for miles catching random Pokemon. I, yeah, it was, just, it was something inside that I couldn't let go of. Is that? Yeah. 
that's it. And I think the two fuel each other feelings or emotions, feelings, and they fuel thoughts, don't they? I feel this way. So you get that thought. What was it I was worrying about? Then the thought comes. Right. The thought makes you worry. And then you get the feeling and it's like a vicious cycle, isn't it? So doing things like you're saying, like distraction techniques and things can be really good to break that cycle because you stop the thought or you stop the feeling. So you're at uni or you've finished uni and you've realised that you've got something that isn't right. Mm. What what did you do about that? Nothing. Because it can take a while to actually understand its mental health. Sometimes you think these thoughts are real. You know, they are real issues. But then after a while, from learning, you you start to think, well, maybe this is a mental health issue. Because it doesn't present itself to everyone as you've now got anxiety. Yeah. It's probably around the thought that you've got that you think is pretty real. Otherwise, it wouldn't be anxiety, yeah. if that makes sense. You've got to think it's real and not a mental health issue yeah in some instances so that's where it got to with me and um i just remember thinking these thoughts they can't be um real and people would say well what, what's don't worry about it you're okay so it was an overreaction as well so i saw a doctor he prescribed me with anti-depressants which seemed to work actually the first time but it, it's scary isn't it if you went to see a heart health doctor they'd say take this medicine you'll be better you'll yeah. should feel better with antidepressants, they go, it may or may not work. And it takes about three months yeah. to six months before yeah. you, they might even work. Yeah, well, see this therapist, <laughs> it may or may not work. Now, if someone said, right, we're going to fly you off to Croatia at the weekend, uh, the pilot or the plane, the aircraft, it may or may not work. <laughs> Do you know? That's the real scary thing about mental health, isn't it? It's not on par with other things and... I think we're at this stage now where we say it's good to talk and that's great, but then what? Yeah. Because I always try and talk to people to help them as well, but then it's like, well, they said it, they've shared it. I can't necessarily do anything about it or try and fix someone. Yeah. So where do we go next? And I think that might be a new bit of learning within mental health that we need as a society. Yeah. So you have been the doctors, you're on antidepressants yeah and they might have worked a little bit that yeah. time but what was a really effective medication was um, meditation okay so this was now 10 years ago so i started meditation i read a really interesting little book and i can't remember what it's called now but it was just an introduction to meditation and all it was was just focusing on the breath and then you realize thoughts aren't real you know, you, the, what is real is just experience at that time as well. So you get to look at them a bit like clouds crossing the sky. Sometimes the sky will be full of clouds so you don't see the sun. But behind the clouds is always the sun. So um, you start to watch those thoughts as clouds. It's certainly quite bright now, isn't it? It is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the joys of being outside yeah. in the summer. <laughs> so so that, that really helped. But then... Um, there's, sometimes there's no one solution for people and you might go back to struggling again and again and again but every time it happens you pick up new tools and new learning and you'll come across people trying to give you new ways to cope as well which is fine because people want to help but you learn for yourself what works for you meditation worked for me it's not going to work for everybody um, just as myriad different have you tried vitamin d vitamin c all this sort of stuff have you done yoga and have you though have, have you, you tried it all i've tried it all yeah <laughs> and you've got to work out what works for you as well haven't you 
and a key thing for me was gardening as well so being outdoors it's funny just today struggling a little bit i was out in the garden and i was looking at some rose cuttings i took and i've left them in the ground for like three weeks now thinking i've never got a rose cutting before they're all gonna die and i just saw a little bud on one it took me out of my world because i was thinking about yes there's that one bit of growth and it's quite nice to see nature's ability to grow and heal itself as well yeah um and cycles it's, everything seems to happen in cycles doesn't it so it can either be your mental health it can be the weather it can be nature but the more we it can be the solar system everything we see happens in a cycle doesn't it um yeah you're meditating and the medication seems to be working yeah and then carry on with your life yeah that's right yeah where are we up to you you've got a job in You've left uni. You've yes, got a, you've I got. Um, so I worked as an estate agent. That was a really stressful job, actually. I can imagine. Um, and I wait there, wait there, wait yeah. there. Yeah, you went from politics to an estate. Yeah, everyone agent. says that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Explain. <laughs> I wanted to call it the the socialist estate agents company, <laughs> well, the left wing. Yeah, no, and um, yeah, I did that because I had it as work experience when I was 14. And in okay. 2007 and eight there was the big banking crisis. So there weren't many jobs. And I didn't work as hard as I should have at uni. So <laughs> I went straight into doing this. But I was good at it. You can be yeah. good at something, but hate it as yeah. well, can't you? So that was quite a stressful period. And I didn't realise, still then I didn't know about mental health. And I was thinking, why the hell am I getting chest pains on the way to work and this sort of stuff, tightness in my chest? Wow. Uh, and like um, shouting in the car to myself to just relax. Sounds weird, that, doesn't it? But like, ah, just to get stress out. And did it weird. help? It did it? Work. Yeah, yeah, just screaming in the car. That's weird, isn't it? But... Do you still do that? No. No, I don't. <laughs> I'm going to no. try it. Yeah. <laughs> and then I got a really, the best job. One of the best jobs I've had was in the, the Red Cross working in Wrexham Hospital. And it was a whole new world to me where people weren't, it was less ego driven obviously everyone's got egos and things to be proud of but um it was about helping people who come out of hospital settle in i couldn't believe it was a job i was going around talking to all these generally older people with fascinating stories learning about their lives helping them out and i felt great and it gave me a real buzz and i had a little team great team to work with and that was fantastic yeah and then i did well and i got promoted so i moved over to leeds and they were a great team there, but I got really homesick and I missed my... See, I'm not really a city person. I missed the nature. I missed my my wife, my girlfriend at the time, and moved back to this area. And I love this area because you've got the mountains nearby. You've got Chester, which is like a village, to be honest with you, <laughs> with nice bars and things and family. Yeah. I don't know. There's this thing that, you know, it's good to travel, but... I also think there's something wired in us to love the area we're at, where we're from. You know, we're connected with the land. Is travel more of an invention of new monetary making? Is it a way to make more money? I don't know. It's good for you. I can tell you that. But um, there is something to be said about where we're from, I think, as well. Well, and you spend a lot more time at home, don't you, than you do travelling, which is usually for holiday. But do you think going away to Leeds was a wake-up call to recognise that actually home was really important? Yeah, absolutely. And um, pace of life as well. Uh, not being in the city, it's quite nice. Being connected with nature and being close to the family. So I moved back to this area and that was brilliant. I worked in a few different social enterprises after that. 
settled in Chester, got engaged, and then lockdown happened. And um, talking to Chris, who's one of the directors of Wilderness Tribe, we just talked about, you get a bit of guilt with this, how we enjoyed lockdown a little bit. (laughs) You know, that thought of there's less external pressures. There's a wider understanding of anxiety. Very selfish, but more people are feeling challenged. So you felt a wider purpose in some ways of helping other people. You're more connected with family and friends, neighbours, because you're all helping each other, which is something we often don't have time to do when we're struggling to make ends meet ourselves. And just how nice it was to connect with nature and slow down during that time, because everything slowed down. There was no cars on the roads. It was so quiet. I know it's very difficult for some people, but we all have different experiences. But we thought, what good can we bring from this? And we thought about creating a place for people to go to use nature to improve their well-being and mental health. And that's when we decided on Wilderness Tribe. So tell us, what is Wilderness Tribe? Wilderness Tribe is a social enterprise. We're not-for-profit. And we work to give people positive experiences in nature to improve their well-being so what does that mean uh, <laughs> save me asking it <laughs> yeah <laughs> it means um giving people worthwhile activities outdoors and giving them new skills that they can use and share with others so it's mainly around bushcraft and gardening and other activities we know that being outdoors can really help people so it's about getting people outdoors and we're just finding it's having such big impact on people's lives and we mainly focus on men as well because that's our experience and we know there's a massively high suicide rate for men and often men go undiagnosed or refuse to access traditional services so this is a new way of boosting your mental health outside of traditional services so our main sort of flagship thing is called the everyman project and it's eight weeks and you come on it and you learn bushcraft outdoor survival skills these sorts of things Uh, you make new friends you learn how to make fires build shelters um, and over time you might learn to share experiences with other people but that's not expected we often get people coming along that don't know how to express how they feel and I know I was like that for years and years and years but um, so we use something called the compass and you might, you might just want to say I'm feeling north today or south, east or west. But we define each one. So north is getting things done, you know, feeling leadership in charge and control. East is sort of playful, spiritual, um, curious. South is childlike, having fun, having a laugh, playing around, um, you know, when you're being a bit silly sort of thing. And west is sort of introspective focused on thinking maybe slightly more on the anxious side of things as well find that most men that come along are usually north west so they're usually getting things done but a bit on edge right okay and how many people just get by through their lives just like that yeah so we find through our sessions people generally get an opportunity to go south and play around a bit be a bit more creative thinking out of the box a bit more east as well and they make new friends and we call it a tribe because they all meet together there's really strong bonds built as well and the impact we're seeing is very powerful from people that have attended so just as or if not stronger than medication and counseling for some people yeah and it's all like about accessibility as well it's just another way for people to access 
the support that meets their needs. And do you think from your, like you've clearly done this because of your own experiences, yeah. has it helped you more than the medication and the meditation or is it... A, it's Being part of a tribe I think is really important to everybody isn't it and now our tribes are getting smaller and smaller particularly after lockdown and particularly after the last hundred years as well isn't it where we're not part of a big industry or factory or office now so being part of a tribe is important being part of a tribe that shares your values is even more important so wilderness tribe we have some really key values um, and it's about sharing those it's really helped me my mental health because after the first year we started i had once again another mental health cycle I'll call it a cycle. That's a good way of calling it, isn't it? Because then it means it'll t- it can turn around. I had I had a bad uh, mental health, so I booked on the Everyman myself. <laughs> <laughs> and the the other guys they joked it was like uh, you know that undercover boss show. Sort of <laughs> um, but it was so good for me. And at the end of it, we put our, all our skills to the test, and I slept in a shelter that we built. <laughs> um, obviously, part of it I thought a badger was going to come in and eat my face in the middle of the night. Um, <laughs> But actually, it was so good to do it. And um, I woke up and, like, a little robin landed next to me and I was feeding it popcorn. (laughs) I was like, this is amazing. And I made some really good friends. Now what's really good is knowing that I've always got wilderness tribe activities to dip into like that. Yeah. And the one I run is the the gardening club in Ellesmere Port. That's really good. We do a check-in at the start, crack on with gardening, do a check-in at the end. But you can see gardening such good medication for people because at, at the end, everyone's feeling more buoyant. And not everyone gardens. Some people sit and chat. Good. Yeah. Everyone yeah. has, in a tribe, everyone has something important they can offer. And I don't think society's geared up like that now, is it? You know, what can you offer? How can you make money out of this? Yeah. And there's a big chunk of society that's seen as not offering, potentially, from a from a business perspective from a, a a capitalist perspective which is well what do you offer if you're jobless and it can be a really horrible place to be in whereas in a tribe everyone's got different skills so at gardening club we've got people who are like the opposite of me really organized with our sheds we've got people who expert in knowing different types of soil or the crops to plant some people really handy with diy so in a tribe a functional tribe everyone has a value and that's dead important to us and um, I'm dead lucky we've got two other really good directors who truly believe in what we do and they do it day in day out I I think that that whole putting a value on someone that isn't about finances Mm. or like what their job is and you know like we we tend to judge people by how much money they've got you know what you got posh car a posh house Mm. like what job do you do and again that's around status isn't it oh I'm a doctor or I'm a banker compared to oh my care worker there's this kind of whereas you go in here with different a different environment totally for people and therefore you're reassigning roles but it's on an equal footing yeah and and i'm we're not assigning them people find their own roles that's the Mm. best thing what is your inner value and that's really good for people to discover that and we we that happens in gardening club naturally because people pick up something and they get stuck in but also on our everyman tribe we have a session where people share their journey to themselves or to whoever they want and they discover their inner value what is it through that journey as well 
and that's that's about resilience isn't it how what is it that's a bit about bushcraft survival what is it you bring you think you bring and do you think because you've been involved in that for a while you can be so open about your mental health because it's hard it's not yeah. an easy conversation this is it you know it, it's it, but actually by you being honest about your mental health how many other people oh, yeah. do you know what? I feel a bit like that but it's still hard so do you think like you've done it a, a few times I'm assuming now at the tribe and yeah yeah and that yeah we got this session called a fire circle on a Tuesday and there's something really quite primal and basic about sitting around the fires particularly in the darker days and just sharing how your week's gone and then because I know men and a lot of male care- carers they'll pent it all up how they're feeling yeah so they've got to be strong for the child or for their wife or for their job or whatever it is so just giving them an outlet is really good and it's funny when you're looking at a fire and not somebody else you can it's something hypnotic about it you'll open up a lot more that's what we found and that's really popular um, for, for a lot of men. Yeah. Some dip in and dip out of it as and when they need it. I'm one of those as well. I'll dip in and dip out of things. Because you talked about like your cycle, didn't you? So mm. actually it's good that you've got a tool there for when you... Yeah. Like, and how low can you dip? Can it go... Like, Have you reached that where you felt like you've needed to be sectioned or have you always... No, no. And that's a... It's, it's a... Uh, I don't know. I felt really low in the past, yeah, really struggled in the past. But now it's over a shorter period of time when it happens. And actually, I know I've got these things in place, family, gardening, tribe, gar- uh, gardening again, um, meditation, yoga, running, exercise, lots of tools to dip into. Um, but you, you caught me off guard with this discussion because I was like, oh, wow, I've not really thought back so far about how things are but um i don't know sometimes it's like i've got asthma i just accept it i've got to take an inhaler sometimes you know or hay fever or what have you so that's the way i see it now yeah you've just and and it's almost I, i think what i'm hearing is that you can't you can't stop it no you've just got to almost ride it out knowing that you will come up because pastors told you that you do and so actually all you can do is give yourself as many tools as possible in that i can't imagine how horrible it is you've just got to ride it out until and then what you just feel a bit better one day one day you're just like oh uh, uh, where's it gone really and is it it is it like a a physical physical feeling in in my chest everyone feels it in different places as well i feel it in my chest some people feel in their throat in their head some people shake you know there's all different types and um i try you could the thing is you can't outthink it that's the thing it's one step ahead because it is your brain against your brain so yeah if you (laughs) if you get stuck into outthinking it it's like trying to unmuddy a pond by shaking it up all the time. I love that. It's your brain outthinking your brain because yeah, it's you. <laughs> it's a duel, isn't it? Now, the thing with meditation's taught me is that there's something behind thoughts. So you can observe your thoughts. So maybe that is you. If you are not your thoughts, but you can observe them, maybe you're the observer. Yeah. That's deep. (laughs) (laughs) So so when it is bad, I always just think, just show up. 
yeah just keep showing up and it can be really hard just but that's the best thing to do just keep showing up and it might that works for me i one of the things that i found really difficult is everyone comes to you with their own solutions and i'll try them all yeah thinking they're a wonder thing as well um have you tried saunas have you had a massage have you taken this that the other um they're all nice and they all work in different ways it's just you get to know you don't you yeah and that's what we do at wilma's tribe we never give anyone solutions and yeah. when we have the fire circle it's about sharing but you can share your own experiences but we don't ask people to share solutions because there's nothing more annoying isn't there of like have you have you tried not to think like that yeah you know for me an act of kindness is you yeah. actually being prepared to share what you're feeling because mm. if someone else hears that and that can help them just a tiny little bit yeah. knowing that someone else feels like that then yeah. for me that is a kindness but in terms of your life have you kind of is there anything that stick out where people have either been really kind or actually really unkind yeah people sharing their own stories I don't think there's room for stories that much in society now, but maybe back in the day we didn't have TV. You know, we watch other people's stories, but they're created to be super yeah. exciting and dramatic. Yeah, but actually the authentic stories people share that I've found in Wilderness Tribe with other people, you become more authentic because you think, oh, I've had similar to that, and they've shared theirs, I can share mine. It's, it's one of those things like, a little bit of kindness can t- send you down the right path, can't it? It can change your path as well. Um, a word that somebody said to you can really transform how you're feeling that, that week as well. Understanding. I think I've been really fortunate. I've had lots of acts of kindness and that's helped me. And the best thing we can do is keep that um, weather system of kindness moving along isn't it keep it moving <laughs> so would you say you do some acts of kindness as well have you got anything any that you do for others i think one thing i try to do is when when i meditate i try and not i try and do it for other people thinking if i become more aware of my thoughts and my behaviors and things then it'll actually help other people a little bit it'll help me be a bit more aware of other people's feelings and more compassionate and one thing i have found is how often and and i'm just as bad at this but how often do we not think we just react we're just in autopilot as well so when someone cuts you up in the car on the junction how often do we just jump and press the the horn without even thinking and what i found with meditation it gives you half a millisecond just to go you have a choice yeah (laughs) (laughs) and then i found oh i can go down that path now and get angry and rile myself up for no reason beep get really annoyed swear in the car get mad all the way back home or i can just let it go yeah and that's the thing i think what i've learned is meditation is about letting go you're not adding anything to it it's seeing the world just without these extra thoughts patterns we put on it as well I wish it worked in other areas of my life where it was more like, um, I want a cake, I want sugar. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and yeah. instead of going, hold on, think about it. Um, but it just gives you that gap, I think, of not acting in reaction. Yeah, I like that. Um, and helping you be um, more autonomous, self-controlled outside of, these chemicals that are rushing around our body, these patterns of behaviours we've grown up with yeah. for one way or another. 
And I, and I think, because there's something about in order to do an act of kindness for someone else, you have to be, what you've described there is self-kindness effectively, yeah. isn't it? By using meditation to open your mind, you are therefore in a position where you can look upwards and outwards and spot opportunities where you can interject and help. Yes. And, and when you're in that good headspace, it's far easier to do an act of kindness than when you're not. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I do think when you are... When you're anxious, it's it's all about you. And I don't mean that in a nasty way, but there's fear about you. Something bad's going to happen. I need to fix this. How am I going to get out of it as well? So by cultivating self-kindness, you can get your way out of that a little bit as well. Um, and, and in... Oh, sorry, I interrupted. Carry on. I'm just thinking about other people as well a bit more. Um, getting outside of your own mind seeing things in nature being mindful about stuff listening listening is so important and we always talk about talking therapies don't we but less so listening therapies and I find actually just to be listened to or to listen properly to someone is really an act of kindness I think I agree so I, I think for me I'm really passionate about mental health and how how it's not it's it's not dealt with well in society it, it, mm. it's still a stigma attached to it mm. um but in terms of what could we so you are someone that's open about your mental health how could we as society help you with that to make you feel that you're not would you feel that there's something wrong do you feel that it's a stigma that's just my perception i think actually it's less of a stigma now and people don't have an issue with you don't have to justify your mental health anymore. Um, that's I think that's we've come a long way. You don't have to say I feel anxious because of this, that, and the other. Or and and people, you, you say, well, how can they, you feel depressed if this and that, or anxious because you live this life or that life or these things? And whether things are going good in your life, you can have great things going on in your life, but feel bad and sad. You can have crap things going on in your life and feel great um but that's great that you would you say you've ever felt discrimination i guess because of your mental health in a work or a social or a like because you said it's better now but have you in the past experienced an unkindness i guess mm, i had it once and it was someone i worked with just said because i was back at work well you're better now if you're back in work you're better <laughs> <laughs> right okay and that really was quite horrible. It was like, it can take a while, you know, you don't know how well I am. And because it is totally individual, it can be hard for other people to understand as well. And I, you know, we all get into it. We're all so busy. I can fall into that as well. I can think, well, you'll be all right, you know. Um, but trying to see things from other people's um, perspectives is important, isn't it? So, yes, I have experienced that. But I have been very lucky that people are more and more open to it. And I found that me talking about it to people has helped them. And they've opened up about it as well. So but so actually, therefore, what we're saying here is that by having these conversations... Yeah. So uh, if soci- as a society, we need to be able to be open mm. and honest and authentic. Yeah. Yeah. I do think one of these things um, we see quite a lot is like this bravado work production culture and everything isn't it it's so hard for people to see on twitter 
on social media all these things if you work hard you'll get this and strive and um, really grind hard to get this and that and it's like why it's material <laughs> why kill yourself at what expense yeah but, and I get it yeah for some things it, it's good but it's more about moderation and I sometimes wonder these people we've got that are controlling our country our billionaires all these famous people why do they need more what what's driving them and are they really happy are they fulfilling something that they don't have as well because we've got everything around us generally to make us happy why do we need more and more and more and more and why do we idolize these people as well that are maybe not as balanced maybe that's a bit unfair of me to say but people that may be within politics that have had to elbow their way forward and give the best examples of values or behaviours yeah. get to the top why do we idolise these people um, in the rat race why is the rat race such and, a great race uh, to be in and I think you know like shows like Apprentice and, yeah. and Dragon's Den where it's all about making money and uh, yeah it's like can't we have the opposite of that can't we have a you know is that the only value that yeah. we kind of recognise like what what's your dream scenario then? Where, where we what what is the perfect future for you? I think we're part of society, aren't we? We're all connected to each other, and I think a big thing, I think it's the biggest issue with mental health is mass inequality. I think there's just such a big difference between the rich and the poorer, right globally, right across the world. Maybe a bit more balance because that's you know when you. You see these tribal cultures, people in tribes. There's not one guy who's driving around in a Ferrari, is there? <laughs> it's it's more balanced. And obviously, yes, there does need to be a degree of inequality, but a fair, a fairer amount. It just seems so unfair. And when you see people um, parading this lifestyle or these things in front of people that would really struggle to have it, it's going to cause tensions and unfairness in society as well. So that. That's society in general. If we could just be a bit more balanced with income and assets and things like that, if there would be less um, pressure on people as well. So that's that. But then for myself... I was going to say, it's like, I asked that question thinking, oh, I just want to eat cake and you're yeah, <laughs> trying yeah, to yeah, solve yeah, yeah, world yeah, poverty. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, and I, I'm aware there's, a, there's nothing I can do about that, but it's what I can do to myself and other people as well. And that's just treat people equally anyway. Yeah. That's the key thing. But my idea, I just love being outdoors. I love walking, gardening. I do, it's funny in the winter, I do struggle a lot more with mental health generally. Um, and I love seeing people face to face. Yeah. And being around people. And also being able not to talk. That sounds funny because I've just talked at you for ages <laughs> and I can talk a lot. But having space where I don't have to talk or I yeah. can take a backseat on things and just be quiet it's quite nice to to be my full self not just to portray the personality that's expected of me yeah that we've de- that I've developed you know because that's self-made isn't it yeah it's a creation isn't it it's just more thoughts that have been created over time that have seemed to work to a certain extent we all have it don't yeah. we <laughs> yeah so a summary yeah at the end if top three tips are or top three top tips for kindness that we've discussed so we've self-kindness was definitely in there what what do you think of the three okay i think um one is is breath i think breathing is really important isn't it obviously yeah. <laughs> we wouldn't be That's, here but wait wait there wait there i don't think we can call breathing an act uh, of kindness uh, or can but we the right type of breathing okay so what i mean is 
Um, it's something I've learned. It might not work for everybody. I always say that. But when you're breathing like this, or you're breathing really shallowly, how do you think you're going to feel? I found it really useful. And you'll notice people do it every now and then. It's it's like this sigh that they do. I've, I've seen it on YouTube and it was really interesting. But every few 20 minutes or so, people go like that. It's like letting the pressure out a little bit. So I found with the breathing technique, and there's there's lots of different ones, but you know they do the box breathing? Where you, where you breathe, you imagine a box or a rectangle is actually quite good or a box. But you, you breathe in for four seconds, hold it for four seconds, breathe out for four seconds, breathe in. And you focus on that and you just become fully aware of your breath. And it's like, like a mindfulness. But what's really clever with this is it's affecting your, your physical body. So you know your emotions arise in your body, like I said, my chest. Well, actually, if I start change the way I'm breathing... I'm not breathing so lightly. I'm breathing more relaxed. So one key thing I'd say to everybody is to check out breathing techniques for relaxation. That is something I've found dead useful. Can't believe I'm letting breathing into the kindness <laughs> summary. But it's in, Tom. It's in. Right, number two. Breathing. Um, I think connecting... I know it's cliche, but connecting with nature is dead important. Uh, and you don't have to go out and garden or anything like that, but just take a moment to notice what's around you, especially when you're outside. There's all, everything is going on around you, isn't it? We think we're like the most important thing in the universe, don't we? Like, especially when you're anxious, you're like, oh my God, everything's about me. And then you take one like little look. If we have a look around us here, there's all kinds of stuff going on in this garden. There's a spider's web up there. He's struggling to get his dinner. He hasn't had his dinner, <laughs> so he's probably getting a bit... Um, there's these flowers down here that are doing fantastically in the sun as well. It just shows you, you things keep moving, things keep going on, there's cycles. And even in the darkest of the winter, you know that you'll see the bulbs popping through sooner, soon enough. So it's that, it gives you hope that things keep moving. So that's number two, and what's your final one? Getting out and meeting people outside of your usual group of people they're good to do it broadens your horizons i think everyone should do that and um what i love about the gardening club is there's people from all kinds of backgrounds different mm. lifestyles and actually we're all the same in a way you know we've had different experiences but we're, we're still people we've got a lot to connect over as well and can you imagine if that happened more in the world people just realize no you're kind of like me to be honest with you you might have had a different experience or look different or act differently but actually the human experiences that we we have they're pretty similar so i think connecting with people outside your usual group is really nice to do and i'll, I'll chuck in the listening into that bit there actually <laughs> listening to people um and their experiences as well you, you you're investing in the kindness bank there aren't you in the kindness economy by meeting new people and connecting with them so that that's that's my favorite. I love it I, I that's a good place to end that's one of the whole point of the podcast <laughs> thank you very much <laughs> no Tom. worries thank you <laughs> thanks so much for listening to this episode of Curious Chats and Kind Acts it was lovely to have you can I just say a massive thank you to all the people that we've interviewed who have been so honest and vulnerable with me so that we can have these real life stories to share with you our wonderful listener and remember, we'd love to hear what random or small acts of kindness you've been up to so that we can maybe do a few. Find us on all the socials, TikTok, Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. 
and all are forward slash AxGB. That's A-C-T-S-G-B. And drop a comment on our feed, tweet us, or even send a photo. Let's build our kindness community together. We'll read some of our favourites on future episodes of Curious Chats and Kind Acts. And you never know, we might even have a go at a few of your ideas ourselves. Watch this space on the socials. For more information about the Axe Charity, including how to donate to us, head to axeonline.uk. See you next time.